Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'll get you the ball! I hope he didn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money. Yell it for me. Bottle keep popping that water bath. This is Rivalry Week, and you're listening to the 11 Personnel Podcast. Nick Roush, hanging out with you a day earlier than normal with Adam Luckett. It's a big week, Mr. Luckett. Yes, it is. We have been waiting for this for a while now. This, I know a lot of people didn't like the move change, especially when folks like you that talk about it for a living because you get the whole summer. Oh, man, the summer to, to build talk up. about it all. But it makes, to me, it makes the end of the season that much sweeter, that this is the final cap of the year. You get the team, your arch rival, your arch nemesis, you play them last. It's bragging rights all throughout the offseason. And you're playing your rival on the day everybody else is playing theirs. So, so it, for me, it's exciting. I love having this game at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And since it's moved to the end of the season, the games have been pretty entertaining for the most part. Yeah. Especially on Kentucky side. They've lost a couple, but they've been right there in them. And then, of course, last year they just hammered Louisville to pretty much put the end to the Petrino era. Yeah, this is the one that I think has the most um, chirping back and forth because I I don't think the fan base have, have ever felt it's been this even going into a game. The first few times they played it at the end of the year, uh, Mark Stoops was trying to get to a bowl game, and they were big underdogs. Um, I don't know exactly what the lines were, but it, it was one of those things where you were fighting an uphill battle, and they played them close, and then they would ultimately let those close games slip away at the end. Uh, you had a big upset. But this time, look, it, it feels like over the last two weeks since both teams had cupcakes in the penultimate game of the season, which – if you've never heard me say penultimate, I try not to say it too often, but it's my favorite word to use. It's just freaking awesome. You say that for uh, Thrones. Yeah, it, it is a kind of a Game of Thrones type word, but it's second to last, and it's a great way to say penultimate. I learned that, though, from it's the a Lemony, big TV term. Yeah, I learned it from the Lemony Snicket books. Never read them, but I know the second to last one was penultimate peril. Really expanded my vocabulary without even reading the book. What well, do you know, know about that? Yeah. Exactly. Well, a little bit of education for you this fun Thanksgiving week. We're hoping to give you this pod on your way uh, to wherever you're going for your holiday travels. It's a big travel week. I'll be traveling. but Or if you just need some alone time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, too. that too. But I am – this feels like the perfect storm because both you and I, we're both from 
the city of Louisville. We both, we both grew up dealing with those hill jacks. I know they, they want to call Kentucky hillbillies, but I mean the the just the knowledge that is spewed from the L one C fours on a regular basis. It's just it's obnoxious. And the fact is is Kentucky is the best there is and ever was, and Louisville <laughs> stinks. Now to put aside the childish stuff, this stuff is like a daily basis of us arguing over the most trivial of things, the most trivial of matters, nitpicking at words and arguments. And this is the first time since I've been doing radio regularly. Like I, I, I we've only had this podcast this is our first year of this podcast. I've done a couple other three or four years ago, but it, it, it wasn't like that lead in in the summer when you had the entire time to just ignorantly, because that's what it was. Everybody was ignorant. It was all based off expectations and, well, this guy could be good. This feels like we're going back to that because of, A, the way that te- the teams are polar opposites of one another, and, B, the fact that they both played pretty terrible schedules. Mm-hmm. So when you go into this game, it's kind of like, well, do you believe in offense, score more points, or do you believe in defense? And if you believe in defense – you're riding with the cats, and if you believe and running the damn ball, and if you believe in offense, then you're riding with Scott and his tots yeah. over at UofL. Do you believe in numbers, or do you believe in flash? Do you believe your eyes, or do you believe what the data tells you? Because these teams are Louisville has the eye candy. They have the big play receiver, the big play running back, the dual threat quarterback who throws bombs. They they win games thirty eight to thirty five. Sixty nine to fifty two. Yeah. Or sixty two to fifty nine. Then last week against Syracuse, what was it like fifty six thirty four, something like that. And then on the other side you've got Kentucky, who <laughs> doesn't throw the ball. Nope. Runs it, sits on the ball, eats clock, played a game where they had time possession for forty one minutes and lost. They've been in another game where they've been shut out, but they they want to limit the game. They play what Scott Satterfield said in his press conference this week. They play kind of old school football. Mm-hmm. They just play they just run the ball and play good defense. And so it's a contrast of styles in a way, but at the same time both these teams kind of play the same. They both have a three four defense. Different, but they both have a three four structure. Offensively, they both are run first and they both aren't in a hurry to go to move. Mm-hmm. They're cool with playing a limited game, a limited possession games. So when you look at all that, it's a very, very interesting matchup. Which I think surprised me just digging into the numbers um, because, unfortunately, since both teams are bad, they get stuck at about the same crappy kickoff schedules. So a lot of the times this year they've been playing at the same time. So I haven't been able to watch as much uh, Louisville football as I typically do. But – I would keep up with the scores, and you see all these big plays. But then you look, and they've run two-thirds of their play calls have been runs. Like, wait, wait, wait. That, mm-hmm. But 90-yard touchdown. But 60-yard touchdown pass. Like, what? Mikael Cunningham, he's eighth in QBR. What, what? What's the deal? And then you go through and look and realize that, and I think five of the ten games he's played, he hasn't had double-digit completions. It's like eight or nine completions and for like about twelve or sixteen attempts. About every game and every almost every game I've seen, he's had to go out for injury for one way or the other. Whether it be a road ankle, ankle here, here, sore wrist there, shoulder, shoulder, yeah. 
So he's a he's very fragile. Uh, fragile is how it's pronounced. And right. then early in the year, in fall camp, he got hurt, injured, hurt his foot. Mm-hmm. That kept him out and gave Puma Pass the, the job. <laughs> and then Puma gets hurt and he takes over. Oh, Puma. But even then, he rotated with their true freshman, Evan Conley. Mikhail Cunningham got hurt against Wake Forest. Conley had to come in and kind of won them the game. Then it gets Clemson and Virginia. They rotated both of them. Then after that Virginia game, he became the full-time starter, and that's been the last three games entering this one. So they've they've had like a quarterback carousel there. But, yeah, they are a big play, explosive offense. They live off the big play, they, and they've been able to produce a ton this year. You're seeing what Scott Satterfield can do when he has some top-notch speed in his offense. Yeah. He's very, very good at setting up defenses and throwing it deep and very good at calling those shot plays, knowing when to call them. Mm-hmm. And he's been good at it all year, and it's created an offense that's putting up 32.8 points per game. Big game or, excuse for – 34.5 points per yeah, game. they're giving up 32 points. Right, which yeah. they're 25th in scoring offense. They're 11th in yards per play. They're 8th in yards per pass attempt, 28th in yards per carry. They've just gotten a lot of big plays. This is a really good offense. Big game for Yusuf Corker. Mm-hmm. Can't get sucked up. He's really good at run support, but you can't get sucked up and get beat on those, those With, deep shots. But at the same time, they're going up against a defense, against a defensive line that's bigger than any defensive line they've seen, mm-hmm. even bigger than Clemson. Yep. A team that, that's structured different than any other team that Louisville plays in that Kentucky. It's op, They're an option football team. Yes. If you look at Bottom Kentucky's pass defense, pass offense numbers, they're in there with all the military academies right. and Northwestern. There was a video this week, Mike Gundy. It's pretty good. You got to look at tweeted it out. It's really entertaining. Where his, I'll tweet it out when I send out the link for this one too. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch it. I'll tag it with it. But essentially, Gundy is at his press conference and he's talking about last night. He stayed up to 2 a.m. in his office, and he just – it just the stock came into his head. It's really Gundy, too. Like, so, he's like, let me tell you all something. So, he pulls out these numbers, and basically they're carries for every option quarterback that Oklahoma had in their history. Now, for those that don't know, Oklahoma was the school that made the wishbone famous. They ran the wishbone forever. So, they name all these guys. And then he gets to Jalen Hurts, who's had more carries than all of them. Yeah. And he's pretty much, guys, this is – wishbone out of the spread. This is option football. He's fooling you. And yeah, they're <laughs> fooling you. This is what it is. You have to what your defense, you have to scheme it to everything you do is have to stop the quarterback. You have to run, you have to tackle him. In a, a similar way, the same thing's going on with Kentucky. With Kentucky and then Gundy named off some plays Oklahoma's running. It's kind of what Kentucky's doing. What do you see in option offenses? You see a lead draw. That's what they run all Kentucky runs all the time with them both. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I think the big run against Arkansas to ice the game was lead draw. And there's been a bunch of other times they've run it. They've run speed option. They've run quarterback counters where you take them one way and you bring it back the other way. That's a base option play. So, so to get back to my point, this is just a different type of attack that Louisville has not seen. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, it's a different type of attack for Kentucky because of the speed they have and how often they want to take those deep shots and the type of run game they use, Nick, is what you have to use if you're facing a big, large defensive line. They get their linemen moving laterally, and then they have a quick little back. Pick a spot in the zone. Pick a spot and just get up in there and make a guy miss and 
take off. Your linebackers, which yes, have to be. I mean, this is a game. Your linebackers and safeties are huge in this game. This is a game where you have to be sound in your run fits. You can't try to play hero ball. There's none of that. And if we're being completely honest, it's been a bad week for the linebackers in that DeAndre Square he had a stinger. He didn't play against UT Martin. Linebackers uh, had a bye week last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he had a singer. He didn't play. He's he's got a non-contact jersey on at practice right now. Chris Oates was suspended for a violation of team rules. Cash Daniel, who knows what the hell's going on with that guy? But it's his last sh- shot to make the best of his time at Kentucky. And I mean, luckily Jamin Davis played well. But you got all this kind of moving around a week before. They those guys have to be on point. Mm-hmm. They just do. There's there's no ifs ands or buts about it because. The the thing like like what Kentucky's run defense has been incredible since that first bye week, except for you had your Rakeem Boyd big run, you had your DeAndre Swift had like what three or four big ones, but he he eventually warmed down in the second half. But I think he really had just a couple big plays before they warmed down. Um, but that's it. And but what what that tells me though is that it only takes one or two big plays, and this all of offense is. This is what they're made for, is the one or two big plays. Mm-hmm. Really, Kentucky has struggled. That's been my biggest gripe. They've struggled a little bit stopping RB1s. But I did some deep – I did some searching, some digging this week, and it just pulled out some numbers since Kentucky had Bowden take over at quarterback. What is their What are their numbers? Like, if you, if you put it out for the whole season, what would their numbers rank nationally? Yards per carry in this run, they're giving up 3.90, which ranks top 50, which is – Decent. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. From what they were, from what they've been in the past under Mark Stoops. Because what Mark Stoops does is he helps in that he helps that secondary as much as possible. Mm-hmm. No big plays. Make them earn it. Make them be committed to the run. And going up against Louisville, they've got a running back by the name of Javion Hawkins. Yes. Uh, Richard Freshman, I believe. Richard Freshman was a low three-star recruit in the class of 2018. 1,000-yard rusher. He is a hundred and fifty-two yards away from setting the school record for running back yards in a season. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So Louisville, still not Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. yards though. Louisville but. has a big three on offense. They have Hawkins. It all starts and ends with Hawkins. Everything they want to do is based off his run game. So that comes to you know the play action and setting the tempo and what they want to do. He, five of the last seven games, he's had over twenty carries. He's only one hundred eighty-two pounds, but he's been durable. And he's been really good, and he's coming off a career high against Syracuse at like 233 yards. Yeah, only he's, 20 carries, yeah. He ranks in the top something, top 10, top 5, and 30-yard rushes this season. So, he's a big playback. Yeah. He, so he, uh, Stoops said uh, no less than five times that Louisville is dedicated to running the football. Mm-hmm. Committed, excuse me, committed to running the football. Right. This is a big bullet point this mm-hmm. week. And then Scott Satterfield in his press conference said Kentucky is pretty much – he pretty much he said Kentucky is – committed to playing their safeties deep and backing off in coverage and not giving you that big play. So we're going to have to do a really good job of timing up when we go deep. And we have to get the run game going. If they don't get the run game going, they could be in trouble because of how Kentucky wants to play structurally. So that tells me you're gonna, I'm expecting some gadget plays mm. from the Louisville side. It's the last game of the year. Can't hold anything back right. now. So anyway, they have a big three. Next one, 2-2 two, two Atwell. Mm-hmm. 50 catches, 1,000-something yards, 11 touchdowns. A lot of jet sweeps. They send him on jet sweeps, the little fly sweep, so it is, it's a pass right, technically, right. but really it's just a, a 
it's really an add-on to the run game. It's kind of funny, like, if you actually look at Hawkins and Atwell, you're like, dude, those guys can't be, like, ACC playmakers. They're tiny. Yeah, they're but both under 190 pounds. Atwell's 153 pounds. Yeah, but Duke can fly, though. Yeah, he's a jet. So, he is a guy that they use all over the place. They He's their big play guy, their yes. number one big play guy. And Cunningham throws a really good deep ball. They've hit Atwell on deep posts. They've hit him on deep corners. They've hit him on deep outs. So he's a guy that you have to worry about because he creates separation so easily. And Kentucky, we saw them get challenged against Tennessee, but in a different way. See, that makes me worry more about Fitzpatrick because Fitzpatrick is their big play. He's he's their Marquez Callaway. He's go up and catch a 50-50 ball. And – that's what that was the Tennessee game, and I just I just have that in the back of my. But mind. if you're Kentucky and you're Mark Stoops and you're Brad White, you're living with those fifty fifties with Fitzpatrick over what you may give up with Hatwell. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, this is just me. The and fan Seth talking. Dawkins. Seth Dawkins is the same way, same type of receiver. Yeah, that's right. That, I forgot he was even still there. He's a senior. He's been there forever. Is it? Oh, it's Fitzpatrick who's coming back and his little brother's coming to U of L. Yeah, Fitzpatrick or Richard Jr. Yeah, yeah. But they came in the same time. And uh, they were caught passes with Justify. People forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, they were on the cover <laughs> of the program with yeah, Justify. That went well. Yeah, real well. Two wins well. And uh, then the final one, Makai Becton. He's at. Going to be one of the first offensive tackles off the board in NFL draft. He's, he's looking, a freaking ham. He's bone. looking like a second or third round grade. They run behind him a lot. He's six seven, like three hundred sixty pounds. He's a monster. His so dad's he, a husker. Mm-hmm. You'll see him in the parking lot for a game. Dude's a he's a monster. He's going to be a really big challenge for TJ Carter because that's who's probably going to be lined up against him the most. Mm-hmm. And then when they get outside on those zones, he's going to get on some of those outside linebackers. And those are. That's that's the position I think when you look at Boogie Watson, Josh Pascal, Jordan Wright. Those guys have to be on their game. They have to set the edge, force everything back inside, and then that's when it comes to linebackers is the filling gaps and making tackles on Hawkins. The uh, which is another thing we've seen Weaver be really good at kind of setting that edge. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see how much how Stoops much and White throw him out there. Yeah. yeah. I am happy that today Brad White said that the UT Martin game was the best game that Josh Pascal had played this year. And he said it wasn't just like because he got big numbers and he was bullying guys at UT Martin, but he was like, he had that twitch back. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I was watching some of his high school film last week. Like, hey, Josh, when did you get so slow? You know, like kind of give him hell. Because that, that twitchiness we really hadn't seen this year. And you're, mm-hmm. he's going to need that uh, on Saturday. He's going to have to, like you said, set the edge, not let them break contain right away because, I mean, hell – I'm thinking about it from the other end, but when the Tennessee dude, I forget who it was, just set the edge on the Bowden toss sweep on that final play. Like, it just can completely blow up plays that would otherwise be, if not just plainly productive, but incredibly explosive. And mm-hmm. that's what Louisville – they they love the, those outside zones. Yes. It's their bread and butter. That's yeah. what they want to do. It's uh, Whereas UK, they, they, they prefer more of the inside zones. Um, but my question to you, Adam, look at if you're Kentucky, on the other side of the ball, going up against Louisville's defense, is this a, another Arkansas-type game slash Tennessee where you try to spread them out and get on the edge? Or is this a let's 
put our nose down and get six, seven yards up the middle like each and every time. The biggest advantage Kentucky has in this game is their offensive line versus Louisville's defensive line. I got some numbers that are not pretty for Louisville's run defense. <laughs> yards per carry, they rank 98th. Ooh, it's not good. Rush yards of 20 plus, rank 90 or rank 91st. They've allowed 18 in 11 mm, games. Mm, not good either. Rush yards of 30 plus yards, they rank 91. No, uh, no, no. That's, that's bad. they've given up nine. Oh wow. And those numbers, they sound bad, but but it gets even worse. Oh no, not worse. Louisville has played, I believe it's. Five offenses that rank sub-80 in rush offense. You look at Syracuse, haven't been able to run the ball on anybody. Okay. Torched down last week. Um, do, you, do you have the average that each of those five teams got in those games? I can pull it up. It would be fun if you could figure that out because I would guess that against those five well, terrible rushes. I do have teams, this. It would probably be about a buck eighty that they gave up in those games. I do have this. They play two top twenty five rushing offenses. Yes. Clemson, Boston College. Yes. Neither of them have any type of QB run game. No. Combine those two teams average six point eight yards per carry. <laughs> and in those games, Clemson and Boston College each scored over thirty five points. Boston College scored 38, I believe, mm -hmm. and Clemson was up there in the 40s. Yeah, they, like played, 48. they played terrible, too. That Trevor Lawrence had like three picks in the first yeah. half. Mm -hmm. But uh, Travis Ntien ran wild against them. Do you want to hear what uh, Mark Stoops and Eddie Grand had to say about Louisville's defense? Yes, give it to me. They're playing harder. <laughs> That's it. That's where they improved from right. last year. What did, did you get to talk to Stenberg today? Yeah. What did he say? He had a – this is the kind of game we look for. <laughs> oh, man. That, the boys are going to have fun on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to have a lot of fun. I mean, the, the guys there – I love that Mark Stoops, like – I know that some people don't like when the players are tweeting, like, kind of nonsense. I love it, man. Let them talk all the shit they want. Just let it fly. It's a rivalry. Let's have some fun with I'm it. I'm going to get to that in just a second, but I have some of these numbers pulled up. Okay, okay. Hit me with some numbers. Here's some sub-80 teams rushing against Louisville. Wake Forest – Ran for 245 yards, average 5.33 yards per carry. Was Coburn still playing then? No, they don't have Coburn this year. Oh, he graduated. Man. That was fun watching him just make Bobby Petrino, like, cry. Miami, yes, that was cool. <laughs> Those were great. Those 197 were... yards, 6.16 yards per carry. Jeez, I mean. <laughs> and then NC State, they did a good job against NC State and against Virginia. Virginia's horrible running the football. And then last week, Syracuse, who hadn't been able to run it all year, popped some big runs off against Louisville. So when you look at going against Kentucky, they haven't faced any type of QB run game all year. Any QB run element they face. Now, Bryce Perkins for Virginia was a little bit, but it's nothing even close to what they're going to get from Bowden. And it's not anything that – I don't care if you put Tutu Atwell at quarterback on the scout team this week. You can't simulate the – especially now that Kentucky's six games into this. Um, I remember – I forget what game it was where Bowden pitched it late, like six yards down the field. And that kind of stuff you can't simulate in practice. And that's the kind of stuff that Kentucky can only do because they're that comfortable in it. The running backs know where they need to be in relation to Bowden. And it can – I mean, that's – they're doing the little things now that – can add up to a bunch of big yards in space. And also, think about this. When was the last time Kentucky actually had to, like, do something 
um, with any kind of innovation in their offense, like put in a bunch of weird wrinkles and stuff. They've had two weeks to sit on plays. Yeah, and Grant has historically come out and done some stuff at Louisville in the last couple. Yeah, Stephen Johnson, years. he mm-hmm. loved that shit. Remember? Mm-hmm. And Grant, his offense has put up monster numbers against Louisville. <laughs> I'm going to pull this up what they okay. ran against. Now, of course, it's a different administration, but you had like I just read those rushing numbers for you. Mm-hmm. So, in 2018, Kentucky ran for 340 yards, 7.39 yards per carry. That's a lot five of yards. touchdowns. Yep. Yep. 2017, you remember, they got blown out, but Benny Snell ran for over 200 yards. This is his only – I think it was his only 200-yard mm-hmm. game of his career. Mm-hmm. Kentucky had 228 yards rushing with just Snell, pretty much. <laughs> Two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. And then 2016, Louisville had, I believe, the number one run defense in the country. If it wasn't number one, it was like top five. Mm-hmm. Kentucky went in there, 43 carries, 229 yards, 5.33 yards per carry. I think that was – was that the first year that the team who ran for more yards lost? I think Lamar had more rushing yards that year, but it it th- might be that was the that was a stat that like you just always said. Yeah, they Governor, ran for more in that game. It was Governor's Cup. Mm-hmm. Whoever won the rushing battle won the game, mm-hmm. and that changed that year. And I don't know if it's held true since, but if you can still go with that old line, it of ha- thinking, I mean, it, it has. Twenty seventeen, they ran for more, and then twenty eighteen, Kentucky ran for more. So. Yeah, so and that's Mark Stoops' favorite stat. Exactly. So whoever runs for more yards, I think Kentucky is probably going to run for more yards. I think that's safe to say. Uh, yeah. If if they don't, then this game won't even be close. But that's something you can hang your hat on as a Kentucky fan. And as Hatterfield mentioned in his press conference, Louisville's had issues with gap integrity, and against an option offense, essentially. That's the last damn thing you want. <laughs> Brian Brown, their defense coordinator, is going to be up late this week, try, just hoping that he says all the right things to practice this week to not give those, not have those breakdowns. Because you have those breakdowns, it could be some big, big plays. So, part of, I mean, I mentioned it earlier as just like a joke um, when I said, "Oh, they played harder," but. That also, like reading between the lines, it tells me that Stoops is thinking, we can score on these dudes. This game is about can we stop them. I think the offense believes that it's going to easily put up 30 points. Well, I just think you have to remember Kentucky's identity, their formula. I've also got some numbers for you in Ooh. these six games for Bowden at quarterback. I'm going to read off some numbers. Yards per play, 6.15. That would be 44th over a long out, stretched out season. Not great, but pretty good. Yards per carry, 6.44. They're three. Rush yards per game, 325.3. That would rank second only behind Navy. So, option offense. Yeah. 14, or third down percentage, 48.44. Would rank 14th nationally. Red zone touchdown rate, 72.22%. Would rank 20th nationally. All these numbers are, you know, it, these numbers tell me this is the top 30, top 35 offense in the last six games. But they're only scoring eighty-seven point, or they're only scoring twenty-five point seven points per game, which were eighty-seventh nationally. So they're you know, moving the ball, but they're not finishing. Well, they have a well, they have a t- red zone touchdown rate of seventy-two point two two percent. That tells me they are finishing. They're going slow as molasses. <laughs> they are eating clock as much as possible. They're shrinking the game as much as possible. Chewing up, chewing it up. So on LSD, baby. On Long, Kentucky's other side, drives. in this time. They're giving up 14 points per game, 4.6 yards per play. The pass defense has been excellent. They're 34.21% on third down. But 
only six teams in college football have played more snaps than Kentucky's de- or less snaps than Kentucky's defense. So it's a yin and a yang type thing, you know. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Mm-hmm. That's how Mark Stoops has set it up. So uh, they feel confident. I'm assured that they do. That they are, they're going to go down here and they're going to run for close to 400 yards. Mm-hmm. I really think they believe that. that yeah. They're, they're going to average 6.5, 6.6, 6.7 yards per carry. They're going to pop off a few big ones. And they're going to get probably eight possessions, seven, maybe eight possessions in this game. And they think they're going to score, you know, 28 to 31 points. Where the game comes down to is when Louisville gets those seven, eight possessions, what do they do with them? Yeah. And how how do they slow down Louisville's attack? And that's the matchup really to look for. Because big plays, Louisville's lived off big plays like we've talked about. Right, right. The Cards have 27 y- plays of 40-plus yards or more. That ranks first nationally. That's a lot of plays of over 40 Kentucky yards. has given up four plays of 40-plus yards or more. That ranks second nationally. <laughs> so, I mean, it's strength on strength in Something's this game. Something's got to give, yeah. And – there's been a lot of talk this week. The Louisville spin on this is, well, Kentucky hasn't played anybody and they've played in weather. And that's why their defense like this. Where Louisville, their spin is, Kentucky. well, we, got, well, we just get big plays. <laughs> and the, but the thing is, guess what the wind's going to be, Nick Roush? Oh, 12 the, to 13 miles per hour. Oh, the wind is picked up already? And you know what it affects the passing game as much as anything? Kicking game. The wind and the kicking game. Oh. I, thought, I didn't know what answer you were going plus, plus rain. So, you have that going on there, and I think that plays into Kentucky's hands in that matchup because it's going to be a damn hard for Louisville to win that game in a shrink game with possessions and how Kentucky wants to play. If they don't get big plays, it's going to be damn hard well, for them to win the football game. And if Kentucky doesn't turn the ball over. Because that, that's really what it amounts to is how much – Stolen possessions are going to be huge in this yes, game. Yes, valuing possessions and – that leads me to my biggest worry, Adam Luckett. Go for it. We saw it last week come to fruition in every single form. Special teams. Mm-hmm. Special teams, it's the third element of the game that often gets overlooked. And last week we saw all of Kentucky's blemishes, from Josh Ali muffing the punt to missing an extra point. And then the weather adds into that. Yeah, it just – Special teams is something that has won Kentucky games in this rivalry in the past with Austin McGinnis. And they, I don't think they had a – no, they haven't had a return against it. But Kentucky's got a pretty good returner too, if I'm correct. Asan Hall? Is that his Louisville name? does, Asan Hall. Louisville does, yeah, Asan Hall. He has one touchdown return. They've put 2-2 back at punt a couple times. And one of them he took for a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised in a bind if they put him back there this game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky puts Bowden back there. But to the overall greater point – this is a big game where Josh Alvey, you got to catch the ball. Just catch mm-hmm. the damn thing. Wave a fair catch every single time. I don't care what you do. Mason King's a better punter than the dude from UT Martin just rolling it down the field. This guy's a stud. Mm-hmm. He's a Saint X Tiger. So Mason King. Maybe yep. you should. I don't know. Tanya Harding his ass or something. <laughs> but that was a joke, people. But I. If we, at least it's going to have enough distance where he should be able to get underneath some of these. But he's got to catch him because if that ball bounces, it's 15 yards. And while if you're Kentucky, you're like, oh, that's good. you got to win this field position battle. This field be- – and those little hidden yards, when we go back every game, we're not going to find it on the box score. It's hard to find in the box score. Mm-hmm. But those hidden yards are going to make all the difference, especially when 
Both teams have inconsistent kicking. Louisville had a really good kicker in Blanton Crikey until he got hurt. Now they're dealing with a backup who's thrown for a touchdown, but he's missed extra points. Missed two extra points and missed 0 for 1 on field goal. Yeah, so like the kicking game is essentially non-existent. And here's another thing. Another, I got all kinds of stats, Nick Rowe. I love this. You, you're like, you know numbers. what? I'm only, I got one less day to crunch the numbers, but damn it, I'm going to crunch every single Did one. Did get much work done today. <laughs> Louisville's de- – I just read Kentucky's zone touchdown rate. Yeah. This is why I'm not super worried about the field goal issue. Louisville's defense ranks 121st nationally in red zone touchdown rate. <sighs> when <sighs> just, When Kentucky gets down there, I feel pretty good about their chances to punch it in. Got to take care of that ball. Right. Chris Rodriguez powered re- in. Maybe carry one Bowden over your shoulder. And he can the real matchup on the other end is going to be for Louisville against Kentucky. Louisville scores touchdowns on 70% of their red zone possessions. Kentucky in the six-game run, 53.85%. They've been getting stops. So that's really – the more I look at this game, it's more strength on strength. Kentucky's offense – or Kentucky, excuse me, Louisville's offense versus Kentucky's defense. Which strength wins out? Do you – but what I always look to in games like this where it's strength on strength, it's usually the other side of the football that wins the game that no one really talks about. And on this side, it's Kentucky's offense, that offensive line, mm. going up against that Louisville defense that is small in this 3-4 scheme. They are small. Rajay Burns came out of Trinity High School, went to Ohio State. Yep. Was a three-star recruit, high three-star recruit. Was out of there in a, like after a, a year. Yeah. If that. He was a corner coming out of high school. Where are they going to play now? He played safety under the last regime. Uh-huh. He's playing their Sam linebacker position. It's like a what? hybrid linebacker slash safety. Rajay Burns is a linebacker? So it, well, their defense is kind of a hybrid 3-3-5, what, Here's what Satterfield does on App State. And it was a, my, my biggest issue with him. as a, I was like, does, is this going to work um, at a bigger level? Is on offense, they want – not necessarily big offensive linemen. They want speed, and they want guys who can move lateral. Mm-hmm. On defense, it's the same thing. They don't want – if you look at their recruiting class, it's fitting to this point. They've gotten a couple defensive linemen that are like 240, 250 pounds. One's like 5'11". They want guys that can move laterally and fill gaps, and then they want to get as much speed on the field as possible. So that's why you're seeing both their outside linebackers are under 220 pounds. So, like, when it comes to setting edge and stuff like that, that's not a thing they, they're they really worried about. They're going to slant, they're going to stunt, and they're going to do some different things. They're going to drop in different coverages, try to, try to confuse the quarterback. But that's not going to matter against Kentucky because they're coming downhill at their ass. Right, right. So, so how does that match up? Like how – like if Rajay Burns gets stuck on Justin Rigg or Keaton Upshaw, can mm-hmm. Kentucky make, bury them and make them pay? Can Kentucky get to the second level? Can they move out their 285-pound nose guard, Gigi Robinson? Can they can they get to the second level? Can Logan Stenberg Did get on their inside line? 295-pound nose guard? Yeah, it's like 285, 290. They rotate two guys there. One of them's 310, but Gigi Robinson's their better player inside. So he, it's like bully's belly is that much. <laughs> you don't even need the rest of them. The defense is set up different. Like I said, like it, this defense Scott Satterfield runs, it's a defense that would stop his offense. Mm-hmm. But That's not, how he's kind of built the team. Kentucky's offense is not like that. Yeah, but on the same side, it's kind of the perfect offense to kind of go against Kentucky's defense in the run game. And if they're able to have success on the run, that means – we've heard Mark Stoops talk about you have to play with numbers sometimes, mm-hmm. which was 
I think it was noteworthy because he said that a lot in press conferences, like mm-hmm. playing with numbers in the run game. Yeah, especially he didn't, in this he didn't, kind of offense. He said they were run first, but he never really brought that up. No. Because they have a structure, what they think they want to do, and if they can do it, it's going to be hard for Louisville to complete those big plays. So, in summary, in this game, in a battle of strength on strength, the strength is going to neutralize. The strengths are going to neutralize one another. It's going to be a nasty – battle where you get the edge is from the non-strengths and in that case Kentucky has the edge because Louisville's and and I think that's kind of how the way I've been failing to articulate this all week is that Kentucky's offense is going to be able to run against Louisville's defense no matter what Mm -hmm. the question is how good is Louisville's offense versus how good is Kentucky's defense Mm -hmm. and some are going to win some, some are going to lose some battles. But if you can dominate one of those, then ultimately Kentucky should be able to come out victorious, especially if you're playing at home and you've got weather on your side. Right. And in this series, it has not been friendly to the home team. Ten years since the last time Kentucky won 2009. What, what were you doing in 2009, Adam Luckett? I was in college. I was were, at the game. Were you in the student section that was previously in that back right corner? Oh, yes. I was in the upper deck, though. Upper deck. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, – Had a few beverages that day. Now, were you a brown water or uh, a lighter canned um, – Can variety. Can Might variety. have stuck a couple in the game. Now, what was your strategy back in college for sneaking in? Because um, they, they started to change it as I was getting towards the end where they would make you show, like, inside your jacket or they'd look in your boots, just straight back pocket. Didn't even put it in the back. We snuck it behind the pants and just snuck it in kind there. Kind of in the waistband? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, Never had any issues. I learned the – we would fill up water bottles with brown water and tuck them in our cowboy boots, and they wouldn't check those. I think they check them now, though. They're up to our tricks now. Keeneland, I, Keeneland's – they're big sticklers on stinking and booze at Keeneland. 2014, we went down to LSU. Fun game. And probably about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so before kickoff. It's my brother and I. We had a couple beers, just kind of drinking them before we go in the stadium, mm-hmm. but also had our pints. So we're trying to figure out how we want to stick it in. So I'm going to my regular move. Uh-huh. <laughs> Louisiana Sheriff comes up to us. We're like, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, just stick in your boot. They won't say nothing. And then we sat there and talked to that guy for 10, 15 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, almost as awesome as this week of sports, just in general. I know we're going to talk more about the UK UVL game, but there is – I mean, every time you turn on your television, something's happening. Anthony Edwards is scoring 28 points in 10 minutes. Uh, Michigan State is – One of my favorite weeks of the losing. year. Feast week, it's a glorious time of the year. It's a glorious time to make money with MyBookie. That's mybookie.ag slash 11 personnel. And for this week only, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. The worst game that's probably being played the entire week. Jeff Driscoll versus Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Louisiana Tech Jeff Driscoll, too, from Ruston. Right. Yeah. Ruston, Jeff Driscoll, greater than Gainesville Jeff Driscoll. Ruston, Jeff Driscoll got drafted. Yes. Gainesville Jeff Driscoll got kicked out. He got a little must champ king. Yeah. (laughs) This game is going to be terrible. It's that 12:30 game on Thanksgiving Day, so it's the first one. It's right when you get in that big lunch and you're going to be tired and you're going to want to sleep through it. But here's the thing. Right in the nap zone. You can 
choose one of those teams against the spread for up to $250. If you win, boom, free money. You won the game. If you lose, don't worry. My bookie is giving you all your money back in the Bears-Lions game. It's a no-brainer, folks. You cannot lose. No risk. All gravy on Turkey Day. It's going to be absolutely delicious. Just log on to mybookie.ag. Make your first deposit using our promo code 11 personnel. 1-1 personnel. It's, you get my bookie's going to match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll along with that risk-free bet. So you can, in theory, you can put 1000 bucks in. They're going to top that with 1000 more dollars, and then you're getting at least $250. Win-win. That's so much money that you can just be – I mean, think about all the gifts you could buy on Black Friday with all this free money that you're rolling in. So do yourself a favor. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code 11PERSONNEL. Don't let this opportunity pass by. You play, you win, you get paid at my bookie. I like it. I like it a lot. I, a ride. I, I like I like a lot of these spreads yeah. on the college football rivalry games too. The SEC ones, they're just like, hey, you want some money? Here, let me let me pull up these spreads real quick, Adam Luckett, because here's the thing. People don't know this. You, you remember back in I believe it was August, you all had me on KRC. Yeah. I told you my favorite weekends of the year. Uh huh. This one's right up there. Also, was it two or three weeks ago we had our rankings of non-UK football games of the year, of the calendar year? Mm-hmm. Was Egg Bowl in my picks? That was mine. I had it on there, I think. Dude, Egg Bowl is Egg going to be awesome. freaking awesome. I love that it's on Thanksgiving, too. 7.30 Thanksgiving night. So this is like you're done dealing with everybody. Yeah. You can just pound some just and then like nibble on some leftovers. Mistake two and a half point favorites. Just give me the points that I'll miss. Just give them to me. John Rice Pumley, run a little bit of. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, feels like Moorhead has one foot out the door. Oh my gosh! Give me Ole Miss, the Iron Bowl. I, why, do you, I, I like our guy Bo, but they really have a shot. I think so. Yeah, I, don't I think so. I mean, granted, not having to it, where like like Mike Jones is going to take some sacks from that defensive line. But I don't know. I just feel like Alabama's. I think it's a fifty-fifty game. It's going to come down the wire. Whoever executes in crunch time. But Arkansas, they're only twelve-point underdogs. In Little Rock, too. Yeah. They, the Arkansas crowd in Little Rock is kind of like the Kentucky crowd at the SEC tournament. Oh, get it, a little rowdy. It gets rowdy in there because they usually play one game a year there, and there for a while it wasn't a big game. But when Chad Morris there was he there, he said they're going to play an SEC game there every year. Now we'll see if that changes with the new coach, but. It's, it's and Mike, be... Mike Leach said it's the loudest stadium he's ever been in. Really? They asked him that, I believe it was last summer or so. That's, of course, when he was at Kentucky. Right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. It, he said it's nothing but concrete, and everybody in the stadium is screaming their damn head off, and it's just <laughs> bouncing off concrete. He said it's the loudest place <laughs> he's ever been in. That that game. War Memorial Stadium. The wrinkle that Ella, that Missouri isn't playing for a bowl game. Really throws a hitch in. I actually wonder if the lines move at all on it. Because that's just – that's a bizarre spot if you're Missouri. Because, like, are you really going to, like, win one for the Gipper, you know? Like, it's just – it's kind and of then bizarre. you might get, you know, some Arkansas fans going because the coach is gone. Now they got a guy, interim, who's played at Arkansas, been an assistant there for a while. So they all like him. They know they're heading in the right direction. So they're all going to be all in trying to get a win. Line hasn't moved at all. But uh, the, the, the part that I do uh, – 
think is significant is that Arkansas is like two and nine against the spread this year. Even terrible against the number all year. Uh, other fun lines this week. Uh, do you have any in the SEC in particular that you're all like Clemson's? They're getting twenty. It's twenty-seven. Miami Twenty-nine. Twenty-seven. Name your. I think Clemson's. I think Dabo's going to try to get Muschamp fired. He wants to embarrass him so bad. Yeah, they don't like each other. Yeah. I'm interested in that Florida Florida State game a little bit. I think I think it's a good spot for Florida State. Mm-hmm. Just the, just the spot, and it's 18 points. Like Florida, they're not a big high scoring team. And uh, our guy, uh, what, what's what's his name? Uh, Od- the the, the Odell inter- Haggins. Od- you know, I think he's a big win win for the Gipper kind of guy. I think players really are going to mm-hmm. be playing for him. Which I think that can bring us to our coaching carousel portion of this segment. Florida State, each week, this shit just keeps getting weirder. <laughs> it, just, it just keeps getting weirder. They Billy Gillespie, Willie Taggart. Yeah, that's what it looked like, ain't it? <laughs> Billy Gillespie, and Willie Taggart never signed a contract. That's happening more and more, that schools were trying to not pay coaches money. Who was it? There was someone last year that it was a big issue. I can't. Oh, Kansas and David Beatty. Yeah. He had to take them to court about what Les, they owe him. Les Miles dropped his suit to go to take the Kansas job. Just, I mean, yeah. basically, he the happiest people when Kansas hired Les Miles were the people in that LSU office. They, knew they didn't realize they were off that. Yeah, but yeah, that was a big. Battle. That's going to be probably a so if issue. The, gets pretty yeah, ugly in courts. I mean, that's at least. I mean, Florida State that'll probably save them. At least it's seventeen million. That'll get them down to ten, right? Might, might be. Yeah, I mean, if the, in an ideal world, but that thing's getting weird and. Uh, it's it's old news now. It's about a week old since the Mark Stoops. It's not a week old. It feels like it's been Almost. a week old. It's only three days old when news broke that Stoops took an interview um, with Florida State in Cincinnati. What was your just initial reaction to that news, Adam? Initial, well, it's the search firm. The search firm is going out and interviewing a bunch of different candidates. Mm-hmm. So when Stoops interviewed, you also have to consider that they've probably talked to Matt Campbell, Mike Norvell. It's been reported that Odell Haggins met with them. So they're meeting with all these candidates right now. And basically, it is what we thought it was. He went there. They talked. And they I guess they were pretty blunt with him saying where he was on the list. Uh-huh. And I think financially, it got brought up. And it wasn't the, – the, the pot wasn't sweet enough mm-hmm. for him to hang around and play the game. But my, my reading of it was Stoops – Knew that he was like, well, the pot's not sweet enough, but I can still use this to my advantage. And mm-hmm. he did yeah. so. Spotted in his way, for sure. Yeah, uh, is going out and telling recruits that, hey, Florida State wanted me. They interviewed me for the job, and I turned him down. Right. And I'm sure his agent, Jimmy Sexton, is his super agent. He represents. The Drew Rosenhaus of college football, or the Scott Boris, uh, like for MLB. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Mark Stoops and a, a handful of others, mm-hmm. a who's who in college football. I'm sure he had something to do with that, saying – Let's play it this way. Because he's probably got another candidate or two that's in that running for that job and it's probably going to get it. Mm-hmm. So he he probably knew where Mark stood. And he might have been in that meeting and called Florida State out on it. Mm-hmm. And it allowed – gave Stoops some leverage, let him kind of spin it his way in the public. Yep. And it's probably going to lead to him getting a raise after the season from Kentucky. You know, if Stoops gets paid, Jimmy Sexton gets paid. Yep. It works out for everybody. All and, parties involved. And it lets Sexton, you know, we get you this one. 
you know, we'll help you out in the future if something else pops up. Yep. So it worked out for Stoops, and, I, yeah, I let him get it out in front of it. And he, I was kind of surprised how, like, bluntly he answered the and question was, in the post game. And it was a very – like, I, I've always thought that Stoops has never been the best at his – Succinct answers? Yeah, and he, he, he was – he used his words carefully, and it wasn't like he was reading off a script either. Um, so you could tell it was something he'd been mulling over. And I think it was as genuine as it could have been. Um, and and I, I think what he said was true. He knew that he's got something cooking in this recruiting class. They got a chance to close really damn strong. Oh, man. You're telling me. And, like, they could add three or four four-star prospects before the early signing day hits on 12-19. And he was probably getting some blowback from the recruits, obviously, on that. And so that was something he was having to deal with. And it allowed him publicly, like he said, to say, I turned down Florida State because you're putting it in his words and you control the narrative on that. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to give him some recruiting momentum. And I think I think he really kind of played that well. As well as he could have mm-hmm. if you're wanting to stay at Kentucky. Right. Know? He could have he gone many different ways and he didn't. So good news on that front. And it also he, he was able to do that while you're messing around with this FCS team and you can just get on to the rivalry week. Now everybody's attention. Like we've already – I mean, we reached, what is this, 50 minutes in the show mm-hmm. and your coaches talk – like this feels like old news because everybody's so focused in on this rivalry week. Um, and before we get back to that, I want to finish with Louisville. But I got I to gotta admit something, Adam Luckett. Shoot. You were right. I was wrong. I wish my wife said that more. (laughs) (laughs) But last week you talked about how Kentucky could potentially end up in Jacksonville, and I kind of just called you on your crap, said you just want to go hang out at Sawgrass with the in-laws, have a free place to stay. And I was doing the – Tyler Thompson asked me to – Tyler, she asked me, she's like, can you just do a bowl scenario thing instead of just a bowl projections? And really the way you look at it, if Florida – Wins in Tallahassee. And they or in Gainesville. St- or in Gainesville, excuse me. If they win convincingly and they can hang around that top ten. And, some, and you know, obviously some other things are going to happen at the top. But if Florida hangs in there, that means that you're going to have four SEC teams in New Year's Six. But two of those. I need Alabama to win two. Yeah. Just to be safe. Yeah, yeah. But if you can get four in there, the way that things are as is, then Auburn has to go to the Citrus Bowl. And then you only have three bowl-eligible teams for six games. Well, let's just call them a six-pack. Mm-hmm. Bowl out- of six, I think, what they call them. Yeah, so Outback, Gator, Belk, Music City, Texas, Liberty. Mm-hmm. This is the last year of their contract cycle. So uh, ne- next year it's going to start a new six-year bowl cycle where they kind of change things up in affiliations just ever so slightly. So the last year you think, okay – these bowls that teams haven't went to, we're going to send them to the places they haven't gone to yet just to make things easy. So if you if you play out that scenario, the easy way is just, okay, Texas A&M, you go to Outback, you haven't been there yet. Tennessee, you go to Gator. Kentucky, you go to Belk. Uh, Mississippi State, if you can find a way to beat Ole Miss, we'll send you to Texas. That's the chalky way around it. But your theory that, well, maybe A&M just wants to play in Houston because Houston is like – 
Frankfurt uh, for Lexington. It's the most A and M fans in the country are located in Houston. Yes. So you're basically getting another home game. And we have to remember this. Jimbo Fisher is notoriously known for being one of the best closers in recruiting. That game on December 27th gives him a fast start on that late signing period until yeah, February guys, yeah. where he can put it really much in the season and put it in drive a few days earlier than as is if he went and played the bowl game. Yeah. So that that's a part of it, but – the way that I understand is that the SEC is who ultimately gets the final say, not the bowl games. Because if I'm the Outback Bowl, I want to take Tennessee. They want they're going to finish the season winning six of their last seven. Mm-hmm. So haven't been to bowl in a couple of years. They're going to travel. They're going to travel real well. So Outback. I, so he, here's what it is: you want Tennessee to get the Outback Bowl because that really opens up your your lane to going to Jacksonville, getting back to Florida. Uh, because A&M was there at, uh, in Jacksonville last year. They're not going back. For those who are optimistic about Nashville, hate to burst your bubble, but that means you're probably going to have to lose the Louisville this week, and they're going to have to become an eight-win team and then get to, like, Florida or something. Because yeah, then they would go to the Russell Athletic Bowl down in Orlando. Yeah, I think it's Camping World now. But yeah, it, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it used to be. Either way, Athletic. yeah, that, that would be – that's the only way that you're getting Nashville – and you don't want to lose. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to lose the level for that because from geography standpoint, they're going to send whoever Virginia, whatever Virginia school, or is North Carolina even possible? They're going to send them to, to I don't Bell. think so. I think North Carolina's probably looking at military independence. Yeah, so they're going to send those guys to Belk. Um, and Louisville geographically, Music City just makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much stuck without that. So I'm thinking Belk. Yeah, like if we're going to go percentages, I think there's a 50% chance they go to Belk, 35% chance they go to Jacksonville, and then split up the last 15 between Music City, Memphis, and Texas. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I stand right now. Is that a fair enough evaluation out of market? Yeah, I agree. I still lean towards that it's either Belk or Gator. Uh, I'll probably give close to 70% Belk. I still think the Outback Bowl is a better bowl than the Texas Bowl. Much better. So, and it's New Year's Day. But we have to remember A&M can play a Big 12 team in the Texas Bowl. They could play play Texas. Yeah, I don't think Texas. They're struggling. I think they're looking more along the lines of like Oklahoma State. It's probably That's who's projected in the Texas Bowl. So they could play somebody they're used to playing, kind of a regional game. Their fans would be excited about it. And, of course, it's right there. They could all go. I think there, there's a lot of – The last time they played it, it makes. was 16. And then you look at their last two bowl games. They went to Belk and Charlotte and Gator and Jacksonville. You know, they might want to be like, hey, let's get somewhere where our fans can right, right. can go. And then, and, But a lot of it's ultimately going to fall back on the SEC and how well their administrators work it out amongst right. each other, which is why – the craziest part out of all this, like it, is we've been doing ball projections for like three months, and it's going to come down to backroom conversations in the final week right. of the season. Right. Kind of like how Mitch Barnhart got into the Gator, you mm-hmm. know, three or four years ago. But it, al- it, it also makes sense for A&M to, and for the SEC to want them to go to Texas or the Texas Bowl just because they'll have a good crowd there. Yeah. So. And uh, Texas A&M kind of stinks. They're going to get crushed by Well, I, I was talking to my father-in-law about this earlier at the house. I think 
everybody's overreacting to A&M a little bit because of that schedule they've played. Where yeah. They're kind of a hard team to judge because they've played ranked teams, but <laughs> they're all in the top five. You yeah. look at Clemson, Alabama. Georgia. Georgia, and then they lost a close game to Auburn. Yeah. You're right. I just – the thing is, is you know our producer, Trevor, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. He hates Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. And when you just get people just dogging one person all the time, it starts to rub off you on you a little. But I kind of like Jimbo. I don't know. He's a good old boy. I like Jimbo. Uh, if you, we'll get in this offseason. A&M has got a very friendly schedule next year. Like, they're – I think they got a chance to start 10-0 and with their last two games, Alabama and LSU. Oh. That'd be something. So, just get ready for that. Get ready for that. I am getting ready to hit the road to go on Thanksgiving trip, but Kentucky was nice enough to let us do all of the media stuff on Tuesday so that I could uh, see the in-laws, family, and whatnot. And, which, hey, did Dayton win, by the way? They're playing right now. Because uh, big they, Dayton fans? They're big Flyers fans. Obi Toppin's a ball player. Dude, man. he's a freaking monster. I, I – so I had heard the name, but didn't realize like, oh, he's averaging twenty-seven and eight. They're up nineteen with five minutes left. Oh hell yeah, let's go! Let's Playing in the Maui doing. Championship, twenty-two and eight <laughs> on eight to twelve shooting. Hell yeah, this that's guy's what I'm a ball about. player, man. They got a kid too on that team that I think is Toppin's backup. He's like a stretch four that's from her hometown of St. Henry. Oh yeah, he's he white boy shoot threes. They might win that tournament. Rebounds. They're probably gonna play Kansas tomorrow. Yeah, and they could beat him. Also, if you want another really good battle for Atlanta's game, I really want to see Miles Powell and Seton Hall go on a run down at Atlantis. Them and Oregon in the first game is going to be good. And then they could play Gonzaga. And right. then I just want Miles Powell versus Cole Anthony. Make it happen. Let's do it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. I was on a website today, too. They didn't even have a prop bet for Miles Powell to win player of the year. They had all these players up there. Freaking EJ Montgomery was one of them. They didn't have Miles Powell. What sports book was it? It's Bet America. No. What are you doing? Get, what are you doing? Bet America. Get 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 get, get your on stuff your together. But back to my original point. I spoke with some players today. Spoke with SEC sack leader Calvin Taylor, and your boy is not pulling any punches going into rivalry week. He's talking a little smack. I asked, "Hey, what would it what would it mean to to have your last game leave Kroger Field with the win over Louisville?" We will win. It's just what it is. Well, has this always been a thing, like, to not say Louisville? No. This, that's brand new. That's, an, that's a Lynn Bowden thing, and I think it's the Ohio guys rubbing off. Now, the red thing, not wearing red. You know I what think, I think it is? What do you think it is? You think it's a Frederick Douglass thing? There's a new regime. Scott County? There's a new regime over at Louisville. I think Kentucky's trying to set a tone. Like, we own you? Like, this is... You know, this is my house. You're my son, and I am your daddy, <laughs> kind of thing. You will not touch my drums because you know it's one thing for the players to say that. Now, with Kentucky Louisville, here's what Mark Stoops has done. When he came here, Louisville was like the superior program. Mm-hmm. But from the jump, Kentucky came out and was barking at them, saying, "We're not scared of you all. You're not going to let you punk us like Quite Petrino, literally punching them in the mouth. Like Petrino did before and called Kentucky, you know, slap, slap dicks. Yeah. That's not happening. Like we're coming out and we're going to bark at you, we're going to fight you, and we're going to we're coming to beat your ass. And that really caught I think Louisville off guard the first couple of years of the Petrino era, especially that 2014 14. game. Yeah, yeah, when they came out in 20 they were shocked at what happened in that game. Yeah. And so Kentucky of course loses a couple and then Louisville gets a guy named Lamar Jackson. Yeah. 
yeah. and goes on this run. But now the tables have kind of flipped, and I think Kentucky sees something. And I think they're really trying to go for something here. Now we'll see if it's gonna if it works or not, because there's some stuff they're saying that could obviously blow in their blow back in their face if they right, don't right. If they don't produce on Saturday. But it's very very interesting. I'm a little bit surprised it's happening, but that's my theory. I think. Like this coaching staff is trying to set the tone, and really, it all starts and ends with recruiting. Well, and from the immediate standpoint, like it's not going to affect recruiting for this class, but it really will, and especially in the culture, the trickle down effect. Like, so, like if you're the the school that's talking trash and then steamrolling them by running for 400 yards then they have no comeback. Whereas Louisville, like, I think – you know what I think it is too? I think they got really pissed off when Stafford started leaking that J.J. Weaver and all those guys were going to transfer. Yes, I, for sure. That was going to be my next point. I think that fired them the hell up. And now they're talking about playing Weaver and Casey in this game. And I think it's J.J.'s birthday as well. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much Weaver plays in this game. I mean, this – there's a lot of big picture stuff that's going down in this week. Well, and from just the plain me who loves trash talk, like, bring it on. Like, I love it. It makes things more fun. I hate the, oh, don't, you're going to make them mad, bulletin board material. It's not a rivalry if there's not some sort of bulletin board material. Like, come on. That's what makes, that's what makes sports fun mm-hmm. is chirping back and forth. And I'm happy that even before the game was over last week, there was a lot of underlying smack talk. And then as soon as the game ends, when Bowden's jawing, and then Calvin Taylor. Calvin Taylor, who's like the nicest dude ever. Like, he's this big, goofy guy who just so happens to have transformed himself into a 6-9 pass rusher who's tied for the lead in the SEC in sacks right now. He was a basketball player with no scholarship offers. And he's developed into this badass pass rusher, nicest guy he could be, and even he's talking trash. When that dude's talking trash... That entire locker room is incredibly confident, and I'm glad it's coming from those guys and not like the like, like. Okay, I get it. Lynn is, but Calvin Taylor is talking trash. This isn't just Benny Snell, regular Joe. This is everybody thinks that they're going to kick Louisville's ass, and they're willing to go to great lengths to let everybody know about it. Yeah, it's very interesting. And then on the other side, you hear nothing out of Louisville. I think even Des Fitzpatrick said he's not getting on social media this week. Yeah, I saw it that. It seems yeah. like they're all just – I haven't seen any tweets from Louisville make the rounds. It's, it looks like they're all just, you know, this is just another game, day-to-day type stuff. Sounds like a Scott Satterfield thing too. Like, Where Kentucky is like, this ain't just another game. This is – we're coming here and we're going to kick your damn ass. Well, and this is – you know what it reminds me of too? Mark Stoops coached at the U for a while. Mm-hmm. They weren't just, we're going to be quiet and we're going to go mind our own business. Well, in Florida State, too. Yeah, exactly. He's, he has the background in places that talks trash and then backs it up. Oh. Whereas Scott and his sensible salad over at Appalachian State, they've never, you never heard peep out of those guys. Well, just his whole approach to this rivalry. Now, you can argue it hasn't been a success because of his 2-4 and four record or whatnot, but they have come out and played and talked with an edge in all these games. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. This is going to be really – last year, you didn't really see it as much last year because Louisville, I think, was just so bad. Yeah, they didn't even want to talk trash. They were yeah. like, we're not going to kick a puppy while it's crying, right. you know. But this year, I think they're – you know, it's just this new administration. They're just trying to set a tone. And I'm, I'm sure the recruiting issue, I'm sure they weren't happy about that. Then when you look 
in the city of Louisville. This is where this game is going to have a real big impact. The sophomore class, so which would be class of 2022. 22, yeah. That sophomore class has got some ball players in it in Louisville. Selah Brown. Selah Brown. Mayo. There's a manual running back that's really good. Yeah, is is that that's a uh, Northington kid? Yes, correct? that sounds right. And he's not. Uh, I don't think he's kin to Nate Northington. I don't think he is. But he, his last name is Northern Tim. Right. And he made Manuel, who sucked last year. It was garbage. They almost beat Mayo this right. year. That Selah Brown from Mayo is probably going to be a blue chip player. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple other – and there's always a few. So, there's – looking like that sophomore class is going to be a big class. And now is the time, once the season over, is when you really start getting working on those kids. Mm-hmm. Those kids are going to camp this summer. And this is a big feather in the cap for whatever side wins the ball game. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I'm pumped, and I'm. It's getting me in a trash talking mood. Um, I'm probably gonna go get on this group message and just tell all the level fans they can just get the hell out of here because they stink. Um, the noon kickoff. It's gonna be wet. It's gonna be cold. Pre-game shows gonna start bright and early, but I don't think there's gonna be any lack of enthusiasm at Kroger Field. Right. And I think I know why Calvin Taylor is a little bit excited. Louisville only throws the ball around 20 times per game, yet they rank 108th in the country in sacks allowed. Whew. I think Calvin Taylor thinks he's got a real <laughs> shot to go win this SEC sack title. It would, how, just the back-to-back SEC sack title leaders could have two combined stars and play at the University of Kentucky. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it really is crazy when you think about it's it. It's wild. That is absolutely wild. Um. Jacked up. We. I. I don't want to do uh, like predictions. I will say I am worried about the special teams, but I'm confident Kentucky's going to run it damn, down their damn throat. That 30 point streak, things going to stay alive. Can Kentucky get to 30? Avoid. Well, first thing first, they need to avoid the slow senior day start. I think that's a real thing because everything in your pregame is. Kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah, throws it off. And avoiding the slow start where, as Louisville kind of has an edge in that situation. So, can they avoid that slow start? Mike Edwards got the pick six last year that helped curve it, but Kentucky still didn't move the ball very well. Yeah, can't, and then your second question, can Kentucky get the 30 points for the third straight game? I think they can. I think they can, It's going to take some big plays. We've talked about Louisville's um, gap integrity. They've had some issues with their run fits this year. If they get a couple and it's the right play call and the right personnel with the football, Kentucky could house one for a big, big score. So, we'll see. I think they can get there. But the key to the game, really, is keeping Louisville within 21 to 24 points. So, they're going to have their seven, eight possessions. Keep it a little scoring. Make it – only give them three, three, maybe four scores in seven, eight, nine, nine possession game. Oh, man. If they do that, Kentucky should be able to run the ball – at will against Louisville. I think they can approach 400 yards rushing. And, you know, Kentucky's got to be due to hit one pass here sooner or later. <laughs> you know, they have to be due. And does Eddie Grand drop a trick play this week? Oh, hell yeah, he does. He was talking he, about dropping trick plays in the post game at UT Martin. Do they, <laughs> do they do something with that triple option where they set that up and then all of a sudden when Bolden gets to the tackle, Ooh. he drops back? And they sneak someone out on a post or a drag. I'd, also, I'd like to see the uh, – you think it's a speed option going right, but really it's Josh Ali running in reverse the other way. Mm-hmm. Flip it to him, and we'll end the round action. Do they let A.J. Rose maybe throw the football? Yeah. yeah I don't, 
I'm interested to see. They're going to have something. Do they I, get Sawyer involved, Sawyer involved somehow? Or? I think it's really big that you hit one deep ball and that you find that hot hand at running back early. Because right. there's some times where you're in late in the second quarter and you're like, damn it, Eddie, why are you still giving it to A.J. Or, Eddie, Smoke ain't got it today. Let's mm-hmm. move on. That That's going to be key. I think he's gotten much better at it as, as he's gotten a better feel for the young guys. Right. But that that's huge is finding who that hot hand's going to be and just letting him meet. Mm-hmm. I agree. Man. I just I hope y'all are fired up. We got some time to kind of wind down, settle down. You got a lot more football to watch. You got some wine to drink, some tall, cold, white beers to enjoy at a market. Yes, sir. Um, some brown water. I typically I enjoy wild turkey on Thanksgiving Day. It just feels right, you know. Um, but hey, if there's some bourbon place out there that would like to make us the official, would like to make an official drink, we'll drink whatever you give us and tell us to sell. We'll sell the hell out of it. It's like we'll happily tell you to go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code 11 personnel, and they will match your first deposit. And $250 risk-free for the Lions and the Bears. It's a win-win situation. Win-win-win, and it's going to be a win-win-win, win-win-win, when Kentucky plays Louisville at Kroger Field on Saturday. Time to end that streak. Time to get that victory. Three out of four, Mm -hmm. seven wins. It would be the fourth Time Kentucky's gotten at least seven wins under Mark Stoops. Mm-hmm. I think we can both count how many times they did that before he got there on two hands. So, big day. Big day. Big day in the bluegrass. And no matter what anybody tells you, Kentucky leads this series 16-15. to 15. Do not listen to that garbage modern-day series record. Every game That counts. is a load of damn crap. Anybody that throws that in your face, throw it right back at them with 100 miles an hour with some hot sauce on that son of a bitch because that is ridiculous. This series is 16 to 15, not 15 to 10, not three out of the last five, not seven out of the last 11. It's 16 to 15. Kentucky won those games. There were games actually played. Vanderbilt won the first 12 games of the Kentucky-Vanderbilt series. You don't hear Kentucky going around saying, well, we lead the series 49 to 29. Those games didn't count. No, that's ridiculous. The 16 to 15 is going to be 17 to 15 after Saturday. Oh, man. That's what I'm, I'm talking out. about, that's Adam. I'm, I'm done. Go Cats. Go Kroger.